Does your exercise routine include walking and getting to Pilates a couple of times a week? Do you have access to a gym and you try to fit in some weight training to build some muscle? Are you ticking all the boxes when it comes to movement, but you're not sure why your weight isn't actually shifting? On today's midweek motivational episode of The Nutrition Couch, Susie shares a great client example where the exercise her client's doing may not actually be that ideal when it comes to seeing some changes in fat loss. Hi, I'm Leanne Ward. And I'm Susie Burrell. And every week we bring you The Nutrition Couch, the bi-weekly podcast that keeps you up to date on everything that you need to know in the world of nutrition. As well as our exercise case study today, we share some of the healthiest cookies that you can find and I have a delicious vegetable-based brownie, yes, you heard it right, vegetable-based brownie recipe to share that you guys are going to love. But first off, Susie, do you want to chat us through the midweek motivational client case study of the week? Indeed, because this was a client I saw this week who I had seen for, I want to say over a year now, and she's lost a good amount of weight, I think at least 10 kilos, and she's just trying to lose that last few, I want to say the last five. So, But I could give you, Leanne, 20 other clients who fit this bill and even five other discussions I've had this week about the exact same thing. So I think it will resonate with a lot of listeners. So my client exercises. Because when I start with a client, I will generally focus on food and nutrition first and try and build their movement. So if they're not moving very much, look for ways to increase their steps. And some clients will do very well just with getting their regular steps and and reasonably tight calorie control. That's sometimes all they'll need to do and have real interest in doing in terms of sort of activity or exercise. Then I have my clients who do a bit of walking and they go to Pilates. Now, we love Pilates. You know, it's great for strength and flexibility. But when it comes to specificity of exercise, you don't quite get the workout that you would if you were doing a gym, say, F45 or going and running on a treadmill. Now, I'm not saying Pilates isn't good. I'm saying it's just different. So I'll have clients who do their steps, they go to Pilates, and then sometimes they'll go and do a gym class And they're often doing a weights class because they might be in their 50s and they're looking at ways to preserve their muscle mass. So that's kind of a mix. And specifically with my client that I was talking about, she has been doing her steps and she's been doing some running. So she runs about 5Ks two or three times a week. But on top of that, she has a very, very sedentary job. So we're basically in a weight loss plateau. She wants to get a few kilos off. And so I'm going through all the variables. The food's pretty good. We're talking about the, the running. And then I said to her do you know what your heart rate is when you go running? And she said, oh, well, I do actually because I've got an Apple Watch and it monitors and it gets to about 120, 130. And it just reminded me of how important it is that we look at exercise intensity because whilst it's important to get our steps up, remember most of us are walking at a fairly stable pace. In many cases, if you've been walking a long time or you're using your steps that are incidental, your heart rate's not elevated at all. So it's great for movement and for making up for all the sitting down time, particularly if you've got a sedentary job. But then if you go and sit the rest of the day, it's often not training that muscle to become more metabolically efficient and burn more calories. Because remember, the body's like a machine and the muscles and the body gets used to what we do very, very quickly. So if you're someone who is doing your walking and even going to the Pilates, or you may even be going to the gym and doing weights, If you go in there and your heart rate's not overly high, and I'm talking, you know, 220 minus, what is it, 70%, so you're looking usually between 130, maybe up to 150 for a younger female, you're not getting a training effect. So that's why the weight is just stable. 
It's just doing the same thing all the time. So in the case of my client, she does the same steps each day. She does the same run loop, five kilometers that she's done for the last year. And she's not getting any training effect from her activity. And hence, we're not increasing metabolism to get her to lose extra weight. The body's very happy where it is because it's used to what she's doing. And I think listeners will be saying to themselves, yeah, well, I do exercise. I go to Pilates even three times a week. But is your heart rate getting up high enough to give that training effect and that burn? And even if you do weights, you're probably not getting that heart rate effect. So even though they're all very good for us, you've got to be looking at the end goal. And if you're in a weight loss plateau and your body's not changing, it's probably time to have a pretty close look at your movement. Because the other thing I see all the time, which was again relevant to my client, is that she sits down at the desk at eight o'clock and she literally doesn't move till five o'clock. So even though she's doing that walking because she's working at home, she doesn't get any incidental. So think back before COVID, you probably got two, 3,000 incidental steps just by commuting and getting to and from work or getting up to go to the bathroom at work or going to different meetings or going out and getting a coffee. If you work at home and you sit in front of that computer and you're rushing to fit all your work into school hours and all the bits and pieces and don't move all day, it doesn't matter if you go to the gym because the research shows if you spend the rest of the day sitting you may as well, it negates any benefit of going to the gym. So not only do you have to do that kind of intense work occasionally to get a training effect, you need to spread your steps throughout the day. So every couple of hours, you need to make an effort to get up. That's a good time to put the washing out. That's the time at lunch to use your lunch break to go for a walk around the block, or if you've got a phone call to make, use it to do a walk at the same time. Because if you sit down for that extended period, even if you go to the gym after work, that could be another reason that things aren't shifting. So the as we often speak about nutrition specificity and timing and macro balance and all those things are important, so too is the exercise. And it won't be enough for most of us to just get our steps in. It'll be about training the body to become more efficient at burning calories over time. And generally speaking, to do that, you've got to do either very specific weight training, which most people won't be doing because it's full on, or you need to be getting that heart rate up and doing some actual cardio. And sometimes you're better to go to the gym, hop on the bike or the treadmill or the rower where you know your heart rate gets up compared to just doing a walk because we get used to the walk and you're better to do less time at the gym but peaking the heart rate. So it's always about change and mixing it up. And if you haven't changed your exercise regime for 6, 12, forever, that's the problem. 100%. And I think it's a really important reminder that change is needed. And my trainer always used to say to me, every eight to 12 weeks, we rotate your training. Like we do something different because the body adapts just like with nutrition. We adapt down to deficits and we hit plateaus and that sort of thing. Same deal with our exercise. If you've been doing the same exercise for even just six months now, it's time to shake it up. It's time to change it up. But I did that exact thing with a client a couple of weeks ago, Susie, where she got the new Peloton, you know, it's in Australia now and everyone's loving it. She's come from America though. So she's been on the Peloton for like a good year or so. And I said, I want you to stop the Peloton. I want you to go and focus just on weights and on walking, like do the opposite, like bring her heart rate down. Cause I thought for her, she was actually too stressed. Like she had a really stressful job. She was doing a lot of high intensity, like Peloton type workouts. And I said, I'm really keen to just drive your stress levels down throughout the day. So we got her just doing longer, slower walks, weight training with good rest breaks in between so she could actually build some muscle and have a little bit of time to recover between her sets. And I think from a metabolic perspective, it's done in the world of good the last couple of weeks and it's been able to shift us off that plateau as well. So it kind of works both ways. But I think the moral of the story is just 
consistently changing things up. We just can't get stuck in a rut. We can't keep doing the same thing because the body adapts so quickly. And we're looking for changes when we're looking for results. We have to do things a little bit differently. A hundred percent. And we talk about that in context of food, but I think because we, it's like when we do people's diets, they take the bits out they like and they skip the rest. So they take the, the nut bar, <laughs> everyone loves the nut bar, but they forget the veggie sticks that are meant to go with it. And it's the same with exercise. People do the walking and then the Pilates, but they forget the cardio and the hardcore weights. <laughs> so sometimes you've got to do the stuff that's a bit uncomfortable to take it to the next level. So yeah, you've got to change that run. You've got to get some hills in the walk or you know, actually check your heart rate and see what's going on when you are training. All right, Leanne. Well, a product we wanted to talk about today was a product that's actually been formulated by one of our colleagues, a dietitian. So we always like to support dietitians in the industry because they do some great stuff. And this is an interesting product because it's not a traditional supermarket product. It's actually a product that's quite specialty and and formulated and generally available online only. And it's called the Skinny Bic. So that's spelled S-K-I-N-N-Y-B-I-K, Skinny Bic. And the interesting thing about this product, it's been around for a while. As I said, it's been formulated by a dietitian, Antigone, who has got special expertise in the Mediterranean style of eating. But the differentiating factor from this cookie, because of course dietitians will not typically recommend cookies, is that it's based on lupin, which is a legume-based flour that has quite significantly different nutritionals. So it really lowers the carbohydrate load of these cookies. So they're quite low in calories. Two cookies, which are decent size, 30 grams, comes in at just 100 calories, 5 grams of protein, 4.8 grams of fat, and only 5 grams of carbohydrate with 2 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of dietary fiber, which is massive for cookies, because of this special lupin flour. And lupin flour is a very special product because you get basically a lower calorie, a higher fiber, tasty product because it's actually got a beautiful mouthfeel. So I wanted to talk about those because certainly, you know, we're not in the business of recommending cookies by any means, but... If you were someone who did really enjoy having something sweet occasionally with a cup of tea or because they come in at that 100 calorie, I'd be very happy for my clients to have them after dinner. There's a whole range of them with all different flavors and they're they're quite delicious. And I thought it was worth of a discussion because I don't think we've ever mentioned lupin on the podcast. And as I said, because they're, they're actually made by a dietitian, I think it's always nice to have a little chat about something that's a little bit different. And if you like them, you can buy them online at skinnybic.com. So certainly sort of tick the box in my mind if you're looking for a healthier cookie or something that's got a, a calorie control. Um, I can't think of anything really bad to say about them at all. And they're also purchased in quite small portions, so you it's more difficult to overeat them as opposed to when you buy <laughs> um, a packet of Tim Tams, let's be honest, who just eats one or two. So yeah, Leanne, have you tried them before the Skinny Bic? No, I haven't, but I have actually routinely used lupin flakes for my clients, particularly my plant-based clients. It's a wonderful, are we going to call it a protein, I guess? You know, it's, it's come up recently due to like the big allergy risk for lupin as well, but a lot of people can tolerate it really easily. And it's a great, I guess, ingredient that helps bind things. So if I'm ever making like for a vegan client, like a hamburger patty or a risole or something like that, trying to use chickpeas and legumes and stuff to hold those things together is really difficult. So using something like lupin flakes can actually help to bind things really well, particularly when people don't don't eat eggs and, you know, you're using mints to bind things. Lupin flakes are wonderful. They're really high in protein, really high in fiber, but they don't come with the added carbohydrate load that a lot of beans and legumes do. So a lot of times when I'm creating vegan or plant-based meals for my 
plant-based clients, you know, you can't just keep dumping in beans and legumes after beans and legumes after beans and legumes because you want to drive the protein up, but it also drives the carbohydrate load of the meal up as well. So lubin flakes are a secret weapon of mine. I've been using them for quite a while. They're really great. So I haven't tried these bickies, but I imagine they'd be quite good. And I love that there's five grams of protein and five grams of dietary fiber um, in each one. And that's, you know, special thanks to the lupin flour. That's the top ingredient in it as well. So a really good, you know, it is a chocolate chip cookie, but the, the ingredient list is fairly good. There's nothing really outstanding in there or anything that I would say is a big no-no or anything like that. It's certainly not a clean ingredient list, but it is a chocolate cookie at the end of the day. So it is what it is. And I will also say that this segment isn't sponsored as well. We do like to support and give shout outs to our dietitian colleagues where we can. And this is just a, a better product on the market. So yeah, give it a go. I'd, we'd love to hear what our listeners think, but I think, you know, nutritionally it's pretty strong. And like you said, it's really well calorie controlled as well. And because they're sort of portioned in those smaller packets, as you said, it's better than opening a whole pack of Tim Tams where you've got 10 in front of you staring at you. At least then it's kind of like two cookies and a serving. It's really, it's really nice and portion controlled as well. They do contain a bit of stevia for sweetness and some erythritol, which are two natural sweeteners. And I'm just looking through the website, actually, which is quite interesting, just to have a look at skinnybic.com where you can read all about Lupin as well. The academic Dr. Kuris, who it's her brand, she said she would have liked to use extra virgin olive oil in the base of the cookie, but it just put production costs up too much, which is a common issue in food industry. You can make as healthy products as you like, but if they're too expensive, no one will buy them. So she's used canola oil as the next best option get a little bit of omega-3 and omega-6. So it's always, I think, also good to understand why people use different ingredients in food because there's ideal and then there's reality. And so also, let's be honest, extra virgin olive oil doesn't always taste amazing in, in baking. It's a very distinct flavour. But uh, there's all different flavours. There's like a lemon one, there's cranberry, date and butterscotch. So, yeah, if you are a cookie person and can control yourself and stick to one or two at a time and that's what you enjoy with a cup of tea, certainly worth a try and let us know what you think and post it and tag it if you enjoy a skinny pick every now and again. All right, and then moving on to sweeter things, Susie, not that we haven't had enough sweetness from our chocolate chip cookies. Today I'm talking about a vegetable brownie. Now it sounds gross when you say vegetable brownie, so I will reference this and say it is a sweet potato brownie. And when you think about the texture of a brownie, like you want it nice and soft and gooey in the middle, or I do anyway. So sweet potato actually works wonderfully as a base in this. So this is a gluten-free brownie and it's also plant-based as well. So if you've got any friends or you yourself are gluten-free vegan, this could be the perfect recipe for you. So it's my very wholesome sweet potato brownie. So what you do, use a cup of mashed sweet potato. So I would generally always say leave the skin on, but when I'm baking with vegetables, I will tend to peel it because you kind of don't want that extra kind of fibery and grittiness going through. You want a nice smooth mashed potato. So I'd say peel it. You want about a cup of mashed potato, a cup of tahini paste. If you used unhulled tahinis, it's going to add a lot more calcium into the recipe, hot tip. And it's also adding some good healthy fats in there as well, which we'd like to kind of stabilize out some of the the carbohydrate load from the sweet potato as well. We're also going to use a quarter of a cup of maple syrup. You could also, if you weren't plant-based, you could use honey or any type of syrup or sweetener there. You've got a couple of teaspoons of vanilla bean extract, a teaspoon of baking powder, a quarter of a cup of almond meal, and then some nuts as well. So using half a cup of some, I used a quarter cup of walnuts and a quarter cup of cashews, but you could just use half a cup of any sort of chopped nuts that you like, a quarter cup of cocoa powder, and then half a cup, this is optional, of dark chocolate chips. I wouldn't say that chocolate chips are optional. I'd say they're essential, but you can certainly leave them out if you didn't want to have them in there. And all you do is you mix it all up, just like a normal brownie batter. You bake it like normal, 25, 30 minutes. It won't like fully set, like it'll still be kind of nice and soft, but as you cool it down a little bit, it'll set 
outside of. So bake it for 25, 30 minutes and then allow it to cool before you slice it into small pieces. And small pieces is the key because even though this is a healthier, more wholesome brownie, it's still a brownie, guys, at the end of the day. So we don't want to be eating half at once. So slice it into small pieces, gift it, take it to work with you, put it in the kids' lunch boxes, freeze a couple of pieces if you're baking it and it's just you at home. You don't want an entire tray of brownies just sitting on the counter staring at you. And let me know what you think. We'll post the recipe on our Instagram at the Nutrition Couch Podcast. And yeah, send me your feedback. I'd love to know what you think. It's definitely a winner in my book. So I really, really love it. And David couldn't even tell it had sweet potato in it. And neither could Mia. But obviously I modified a lot of the nuts in there because of her nut allergies. And she can actually have sesame seeds now, which is hence the reason I use the unhulled tahini as well in there, which is awesome. Beautiful. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of The Nutrition Couch. If you haven't done so already, keep telling your friends about us and don't forget to log onto our website to see the latest in our product range, which includes the Perry Plan. And the latest edition is a snack guide, which I'm hoping is up there by the time we are publishing this podcast. Um, have a great week. Catch you guys next week. Bye.